Welcome. You are listening to Central Synagogue's podcast, featuring sermons, lectures, and conversations from Manhattan's historic Central Synagogue. I'm Rabbi Angela Bookdahl. Each week, we invite you to listen to messages of strength and hope given by our clergy on Shabbat or Jewish holidays. You can also listen to audio recordings of other programs and lectures given at Central by subscribing to this podcast on the platform of your choice. If you'd like to watch our live stream services or learn more about our congregation, I invite you to visit us at centralsynagogue.org. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon. And raise me up to a world living, oh, safe from the storm, in the shelter of your shalom. So we are in... Parshat Kedoshim, otherwise known as the Holiness Code, because it begins with God's mandate, be holy, for I, Adonai, your God, am holy. And then it lays out some of our tradition's most noble and righteous commandments, such as the law to leave the corners of your field for the poor, not putting a stumbling block before the blind, and the preeminent mitzvah of being holy, Love your neighbor as yourself. These laws are so compelling that we read them on Yom Kippur, which is the holiest day in our calendar. But what we don't read on Yom Kippur are some of the more head-scratching laws that are also found in this Torah portion, like don't let your cattle mate with other species, or don't shave the corners of your beards or side locks, or don't wear shatnez. If you don't know what shatnez is, it's a clothing mixture of wool and linen. Huh? God cares about my grooming and my fashion choices? Why is that holy? The rabbis understood that this portion had two different kinds of laws, hukim and mishpatim. Mishpatim, or judgments, are the self-evident ethical moral laws that any rational human being who wants to be an upstanding holy person would follow. The ones like love your neighbor as yourself. The hukim are the God-given rules whose purpose you cannot exactly discern through moral reasoning. It's like when you, your mom tells you to make your bed and you say, why? And her answer is, because I said so. For many more observant Jews, the reason to observe the hukim could be stated just as simply, because God said so. There is a humility and a surrender to not always having a rational reason for following one of the hukim. And their observance can become a discipline, a way to show faithfulness to something bigger than yourself. But not particularly satisfied with that line of reasoning, Reform Judaism pretty much did away with the observance of the hukim, like shatnez, and the laws of kashrut, or wrapping tefillin. Finding, um, finding them not only somewhat irrelevant from our viewpoint, but maybe embarrassing and distracting even from the moral laws that we felt truly led to holiness. These views are deeply reflected in our culture today, the most secular and highly rational in American history. 
Do you know that the fastest growing religious group in America today are the nuns? I don't mean Catholics with a habit. I mean no religion, none. And more and more people, younger generations especially, find religious ideas outdated, irrelevant. The pursuit of holiness feels quaint and archaic. Last month, the Wall Street Journal released a study on American values with some startling numbers. 25 years ago, in 1998, 62% of Americans said religion was very important. Today, that number is 38. In 25 years, it went from being a strong majority to about a third of Americans. In 1998, 70% of Americans said patriotism was meaningful. Today, that number is 39%. 25 years ago, 59% said that raising children was very important to them. Today, that number has dropped to 30%. In 2019, the value of involvement in a community was at its highest, at 62%, and today that number has fallen to a record low, 27%. In fact, the only value that has grown across the spectrum is the priority of money. 43% saying it's very important, up from 31%. I know, I'm also distressed about that. <laughs> Whew. Now, if you were to look at the Wall Street Journal survey, you would see a country in what I would call a holiness decline, with vastly diminishing regard for the value of patriotism, religion, creating families, or serving communities. Is it any surprise that today we are also seeing record numbers of lonely and isolated Americans, that deaths from despair are at the highest level they have ever been in American history. Time and again, studies have shown that the antidote to despondency and loneliness is not just companionship. It is recognizing and engaging with something bigger than yourself, a family, a faith, a nation, a community. Meaning comes from serving something beyond yourself. And if you want to do that, well, the Holiness Code is a good place to start. The moral laws of Mishpatim offer a roadmap for meaningful living. But perhaps we should also go back and take a look at some of those hukim as well, the ritual laws of our tradition. For those strange, non-rational laws can also play a role in encouraging holiness. Doing something because God said so might remind us that not everything we do is just because we feel like it. Not everything is ours to control. This thought became very vivid for me at the memorial service of Phil Basser this past Sunday. Phil was our avid live streamer who celebrated his 105th birthday with us here in the sanctuary before he died just days later. When Phil was a young soldier in the trenches in World War II, he promised God that if he made it out alive, he would rap to Philin every day. Now, Phil was not an Orthodox Jew, but he kept his promise every single day. To Philin, I think 
served for Phil as a spiritual technology, reinforcing in him every day a discipline, a gratitude, and a humility that carried him throughout his life. And every week, Phil blessed his children on Shabbat. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May God make you like our ancestors, Sarah, Esther, Devorah. At his memorial service, three generations of his family spoke of the power of being blessed by him. Now, there's no rational explanation for why this incantation actually did anything. But through that simple act, he conveyed that they were protected, that they were loved, that they were part of an epic Jewish story. Through it, he transmitted holiness. Phil's service ended with two soldiers sending Phil off with military honors, folding the American flag and presenting it to his family in gratitude for his service to our country, fighting in two wars. As the soldiers saluted, there was not a dry eye in the house. I can't tell you exactly what enabled Phil, whose mother died when he was only three, who was raised in a Jewish orphanage, who served in two wars, had four children and lost one of them to cancer young, could live every day of his life with optimism, joy, and a sense of blessing. But I know he lived a life of holiness, and I think that this was core to it. Phil's life was a reminder of the blessing and meaning that comes when you serve your country, when you love your family, when you uphold your faith, and when you give back to your community the very values that are diminishing in our country today. But mishpatim, the moral laws of our tradition, and perhaps also the hukim, the ritual laws, which remind us to do good things just because perhaps they are our roadmap for our way back. Thank you for listening to this edition of Central Synagogue's podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you're in the loop on future episodes. And please follow us on social media or watch our live stream at centralsynagogue.org, our Facebook page, or on national cable at the Jewish Broadcasting Service. Thanks again for joining us. Amen.